Hello and welcome to my podcast, The Power of Audio, Science and AI, supported by Stockholm Music City. I'm Jasmine Moradi, your host, and in each episode, I'll take you backstage to meet with some of the top audio, science and AI personalities in the world. I will interview entrepreneurs, authors, business experts and thought leaders to learn how and why they're so passionate and determined to work in the music industry. I'll give you the knowledge and the insight your business needs to succeed with your audio branding. My guest today is my dear friend and ex-colleague Minus Rudian. We met for the first time in November 2014 when he was looking for students to validate his music brand scan methodology. We were both graduated from Stockholm School of Economics and we were both hired at Soundtrack Your Brand at the same time in August 2015. Magnus as head of music and I as head of research. Before that, Magnus started the indie label Heya Haifi in 2005 with Alf Tumle, his music partner in crime, another of my amazing ex-colleagues from Soundtrack Your Brand. Magnus is himself a music producer, a songwriter and a DJ. In 2005, he started the company Music ID, once again with Alf Tumle, working on finding the perfect brand fit music for brands in Stockholm. Today, Magnus and I are going to discuss the ins and outs of the mythology behind his brand fit music scan and soundtrack your brand's AI music tagging. With that, Magnus, I welcome you and thank you so much for joining us. It's amazing to see you and Happy New Year. Likewise, and same to you, Jasmine. You know, Magnus, when I look at you, it brings back happy memories around our connection in music and science. So I'm interested to know, going back to the beginning, when and what is your earliest memory of music? And when did you know that you had a musical talent as a young boy? Uh, well, I guess uh, the first contact with music gets for many of us, I guess it was through my parents listening to music. and. Uh, uh, in my case, that was uh, a lot of jazz music uh, that uh, was playing in, when I grew up. Uh, so I pretty early on got uh, interested in, in that uh, field of music. Uh, so and but uh, and then when it comes to the talent, uh, I don't think I'm the one to decide that. But uh, I one special occasion that I remember when uh, playing the saxophone uh, that as I did start play uh, in early on in school was uh, when after two years just playing at children's music uh, my teacher gave me an assignment pl uh, playing a jazz song and uh, when I had uh, played that song for him uh, he took out a sheet with golden stars that he had tucked away and he put one of those Golden Star stickers in my book. And uh, I guess uh, that's, that's sort of maybe was <laughs> some indication that I had at least some kind of talent for uh, jazz, playing jazz music. And when people ask you when you were young, what do you want to do when you grow up? Did you say, I want to become a famous musician? If so, then how come you did not study at a music school and instead ended up at a business school? Well, yeah, of course, I had, had a dream uh, as a kid to become a famous musician. Uh, <laughs> and I had it for quite a while. Uh, it was actually just when I stood there and had to choose between 
starting a business school or going to music academy that I had had these words uh, ringing back from in my head from my parents saying that it's important that you get a proper education before you pursue any career dreams in, in music. So uh, I guess uh, I have them to thank for pursuing the, the business school uh, instead of going to music school. Uh, so uh, that that's and then my plan was of course to perhaps if I still had a dream after four years uh, in business school, I would always have the opportunity to study and embark on a music career. You have had and have your own career as a music producer and a songwriter and a DJ. When did you write your first song? Uh, it was, I mean, it was before business school. I, I used to play in several bands uh, back then in various, jazz constellations and then uh, I, mean, I got interested in writing my own songs as well so uh, I guess in my teen, early teens I started writing uh, songs. And in 2005 you started the indie label Heya Hypey with Alf. Tell us why you started a label and your greatest memories and learnings. Uh, well studying in business school during that period I met uh, Alf uh, through mutual mutual friends, uh, he, he was back then a producer. Just started to produce uh, dance music, house music, uh, and he needed a saxophone solo on one of his first productions. So uh, he got in touch with me and asked me if I wanted to come down to the studio and uh, play the saxophone, and I did. And I immediately felt immediately fell in love with that uh, whole environment, being in a studio was very exciting to me because I had never been to one before. So uh, I kind of got stuck hanging around there uh, and uh, we started collaborating and starting writing songs and producing songs together. And then uh, when uh, I, I finished uh, business school uh, quite soon thereafter, and then I took the decision to kind of uh, start working full time with producing and writing uh, house music together without them. Uh, and uh, we released uh, music on various different small indie uh, record labels, uh, vinyls back then uh, was the format. And uh, we I mean, started DJing together and uh, traveling uh, around the world DJing. Uh, and then eventually we got tired of uh, dealing with all these um, various indie labels that are usually you know, very, very passionate people, but uh, sometimes uh, kind of hard to work with, work with because the, they have very small budgets and they sometimes they just dis disappear and you never hear back from them. So with, that's when we decided to start our own label to get uh, control over our own music in the first, in the beginning, uh, released, only releasing ourselves. But then uh, after a while, we also started signing other artists that we released on that label.
and uh, I mean, just uh, running a business in in the record music business was, I mean, it's very challenging, but of course, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, so I have some very good memories from uh, that time. But when I met you back then, you were then running a consultative agency, you guys called Music ID. Tell us when you went from running a label and then going into doing music for brands. And what was the needs of the brands? Uh, well, uh, running a label, uh, being an artist and a DJ, even though we were sort of successful in our field, you know, we, we still were working in a very small niche. So uh, when the record sales starting, started to plunge with the, with the whole uh, Napster and downloading area, uh, it was tougher and tougher to make a living out of uh, producing uh, music uh, and, and releasing vinyl records. Uh, so uh, we eventually we had to start looking around for other ways to make money of our music and our knowledge. And uh, being a DJ, it was kind of natural to get in touch with uh, various brands. Uh, you get contacted to play at uh, events or uh, fashion shows and also that uh, after a while we got requests to uh, program music for the for restaurants and uh, and uh, retail stores and, and similar so we we really felt that there was something there uh, a market where we could get our money from so we still could uh, do some producing on this side, uh, but uh, that whole business grew and grew. So we decided to really start a, uh, another company, just focusing on that, and that turned into a full-time uh, commitment. Uh, and back then, it was it was mainly uh, putting together playlists on an iPod that you had to deliver. We were mainly working in the Stockholm area where we live. Uh, so we had to, you know, physically visit the stores and plug that iPod in, or it, it was sometimes even burning CDs that you brought to a <laughs> to a restaurant and similar. And of course, that's uh, very different to uh, how things are today, when finally uh, streaming has uh, really uh, come into the business to business uh, segment. So. Um, the digitalization that took place uh, back in the late 2000s uh, in the consumer market that's uh, really now finally uh, coming to the business to business market. What I love about working with you, Magnus, is that you're not just a musician. You also have, because you went to business school, a deep knowledge and passion for scientifically testing hypotheses like myself. Teach us about your music brand scan methodology and what your definition of a brand fit music is. Yeah, sure. Uh, I think the first uh, time when we uh, really got a, biggest, a big assignment was when the, the department store in Stockholm contacted us and they wanted background music uh, for the, full, the whole uh, department uh, store. Uh, and we sat down with the marketing team and. Uh, the brief we got that was that they wanted uh, flirty and uh, sexy and uh, <laughs> happy music. <coughs> uh, and me and Alf just looked at ourselves, uh, at ourselves, and like questions mark because it, it's very vague. A brief to create uh, music like thousands of songs that should be sexy and flirty. And uh, so we we went back to our um, 
chambers and started to think uh, of other ways to to give the, our clients a tool so that they could more easily explain uh, or communicate what type of music should be played in their in their store or restaurant and uh, we came to the conclusion that the, when looking at a brand what the, the, the element in a brand that can most easily be translated into music is, is the brand personality that the i mean all, all brands that have a the marketing department uh, usually ha have a brand personality as a part of the brand platform. Uh, so we sat down and started mapping out uh, different personality types uh, to certain types of music uh, and created a model that we then call the brand scan, uh, where, where basically uh, you can, by, by, uh, by identifying your brand personality, uh, you can then, we can then, based on those personality traits, uh, select music because the, the brand personality types that we have uh, identified and where that the user can choose from uh, uh, all maps to certain types of music. Uh, and that uh, was very uh, fruitful for us because then the marketing people could still speak their language uh, around their brand that they were used to talking about the brand in and we could then uh, sit down and focus on the music where our expertise was. Uh, so uh, that was the first time when we were basically forced to come up with this model to be able to deliver something valuable for the client. Run, run us through that. I'm a brand, I come to you. How do you go from, from this process steps? Uh, sure. I mean, the first step is, of course, like I mentioned, to uh, really uh, look at your brand personality that you usually have defined uh, if you own the brand. Uh, so, uh, with that knowledge, we then sit down and uh, make the the client uh, have choo choosing various personal like opposite uh, personality traits, whether. And then they have to choose if they are an elegant or rugged brand, if they are a modern or more traditional brand, are they more discreet or more expressive, are they more technological or more human? And uh, I mean, we have a set of uh, these uh, pairs where they are opposite uh, personality traits uh, that the user or client uh, have to choose from. Uh, uh, and then we use that, those, uh, personality traits then to uh, uh, put together and back on music uh, and that, that, that's the first step and then of course we uh, have the customers because in the end they are the ones who are going to listen to the music and perceive the brand in, in a certain way the way that uh, we want them to perceive the brand so it's important to look at the target group of the of the client and kind of uh, analyze what type of music they are used to listening to so they can understand and relate to the music that is being played. I mean, there's, if there's an old person that just listened to uh, jazz uh, and you then end up just playing modern uh, electronic dance music, we will not be able to really communicate to that target group. So it's important to choose music that is relevant to the target group. Uh, 
And then, then finally, uh, also, it's very important to look at the business, what kind of business you're running. Mm. I mean, playing, playing heavy metal at a spa, it makes no sense. So if you have a spa, of course, you, there's certain types of music that fits that type of business. And the same goes if you're a gym or if you're a bar or a retail store. I mean, each business type have their own like, music uh, prerequisites that, you, that applies. You have actually been able to validate your music brand scans. So let us look back to autumn 2014. I was in the middle of figuring out my thesis topic when our professor announced that a music company was looking for students to validate their music methodology, which was you guys. And me coming from a background in the event industry and finding out that an in-store marketing book of 300 pages only had two pages talking about the power of in-store music, I instantly jumped at the opportunity and called you right away. And I remember you were a little bit skeptical, as you said, you had many students that had promised to deliver, but had not. And here I am, a super excited and super motivated student that wants to create a music research that the entire world will read. And voila, today we have together developed several groundbreaking instant music reports that thousands of markets that have read around the world. So dreams do come true. Now I'm interested to know what are your thoughts and memories looking back on my first phone call and our music research journey together? Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> I always love and enthusiasm. That's uh, I mean, it's impossible to uh, to not talk to you and uh, not be blown away by your enthusiasm. But uh, yeah, like you said, I've been had that several students that uh, yeah sometimes they, they just disappear in the in the process uh, started working and so I mean yeah I guess that's my nature being a bit skeptic <laughs> but, but of course <laughs> I, I was also super excited to really see because in the especially in the music business and also in the marketing business uh, unfortunately there is always a too large portion of gut feeling and you do what you think is right but to be able to actually validate something in an academic study it, i mean it adds so much more value and uh, just as you love it i also love doing this because that that that, that gives you so much more confidence speaking about uh, something if you know that it's been proven in a study so yeah what's uh, i mean it, it's quite soon I, I realized that uh, this was not going to be something that was forgotten or uh, students disappearing. <laughs> you were, you and your partner were so really enthusiastic and delivered uh, all the time. So that, that, that was super fun experience. Well, then let us dig into the Gantt music study that we did. And Gantt yeah. was one of your clients. And we work with one of their stores in Stockholm in Sweden. And during three Saturdays, we collected sales data, customer satisfaction surveys, and clocked how long the customers had spent in the store. Now I'm interested to know from your lens, 
can you present for us how did you develop the music manipulation in the GAN study with your brand uh, music methodology? And also, what are your analyses on, around our findings looking at the music that you developed? So, just to give you some uh, ideas of what it actually looks like in GAN stores, uh, some, a couple of slides here that you can see that's uh, very elegant and uh, uh, they use colors and uh, a lot of. Uh, organic materials like wood uh, and a lot of flowers uh, also here's another uh, slide that shows the kind of warm and uh, cozy uh, environment but still very elegant and human uh, so uh, just like in all cases we sit down with the client marketing department and uh, go through the brand personality and that this, that's what we did with Gantt as well and uh, identified that uh, Gantt uh, is a very elegant, modern, easygoing, expressive, uh, and human brand. That's what kind of defines the brand personality. So, of course, then that, that's what we're going to use when we choose music uh, for their in-store environments. Uh, so, to summarize, then that modern music is. Uh, yeah, the sounds of today, contemporary music compared to traditional music. Uh, so in Gans' case, then we we don't, we, we don't want to play like oldies, the goalies music, your parents' music, because if a customer comes into a Gans store and they hear that, they they're not going to perceive Gans as very modern. Uh, easy going music is of course positive and happy music compared to very serious and mellow, moody music that we should not play in Gantt stores, uh, elegant, to uh, really you know, fit this uh, elegant environment that they have in the stores. It comes down to, uh, to the productions a lot. It should be airy and light and shimmering compared to more heavy sounds, robust sounds, like you, you can find in rock and uh, distorted guitars and more heavy synthesizers in electronic music. And then uh, expressive is music that stands out that has a story to tell compared to you know this uh, vanilla music that's more in, in the realms of uh, um, in um, in background music that you typically hear in elevators at, at least historically uh, and then finally the music should have this warm and inclusive feel uh, uh, that adds this human touch to it compared to more technological music with electronic and uh, very static sounds. So, so that's uh, that we then created two playlists that we wanted to try in your study. Then one that was brand fit, that was modern, easygoing, elegant, expressive, human, and then one playlist that had songs that were more traditional, serious, rugged, discreet, and technological. Uh, and, uh, and then we uh, had no music. So it was three, three of them. Exactly. And then, uh, I don't know, do you want to go through the results or? Yes, I can do that. So what we did with the methodology is that we use uh, a Latin square. And the Latin square means that you randomly take this different uh, uh, music um, playlist and then you just like randomly switch them around during the day. Um, and then what we got out from the results was then when we analyzed it is that, do you want to go to the next slide? Yeah, so 
The difference in these two playlists was that when we played the Brantwick music that Magnus had brought out, uh, the sales uh, increased by 31.7%. And I would probably myself say that <clears throat> Gantt is a very um, great case. Uh, Gantt is a, a, a brand that is really almost like Ralph Lauren. They worked with branding in a way that they created a very strong brand personality that when I was in store, I could actually see that when people coming in, they're very proud. They, they buy that um, sweater or pants or jacket because they want to become that personality. And then also what we could see was that we asked the uh, customers when they had been in the store, we asked them to please uh, stay for a few minutes and answer uh, like a store satisfaction survey because what you don't want to do is you don't want to ask them directly about the music and the results from that we could see that it had a positive effect on the customer satisfaction when it was brand fit music we could also see because the same way that magnus took out those music brand scans uh, adjectives we actually asked the customers to rate it how they felt the brand was perceived as and it showed that with the brand fit music then it was closer to the brand uh, identity we what we also did was that uh, we clocked the customers from when they came in and until they left in in all the manipulations and we could even here see that the customers stayed longer when the brand fit music was playing. What are your analyzes uh, from your side, Magnus, of these results? Uh, well, I mean, it, it's, it's very, it plays very well with uh, other studies that has been made uh, uh, in this field, uh, because, I mean, all these results are expected if, if when you play music that fits uh, the brand. Uh, and there are various uh, psychological uh, effects that come into play here that uh, creates this result. Uh, I mean, one aspect has to do with the congruence theories that uh, people usually uh, like congruence when things make sense and sit together compared to when there's kind of some kind of disconnect in an experience. And I mean, if the music tells one story and the, and the whole uh, rest of the environment tells another story, like like the furniture or the the clothing or the personnel or the the even the colors uh, in the store. If, if if they don't match, it's, it creates a disconnect that tends to create negative attitude. Uh, and the, and also if if you like you know to be in an environment, it subconsciously makes you stay there longer. So uh, I mean this was has been shown in other studies as well and so it was super uh, good to see <laughs> or it was not super good but it was very uh, very satisfactory to see this uh, also in in your study because it kind of proved that then we had a model that actually could translate a brand into music and bridge that gap between the music curators and the marketing department uh, so 
uh, yeah, the, the, the result was expected, but it's, of course, you never know. It's always very nervous uh, period when you wait for the results to come in because uh, not always that you're right, but in this case we were and uh, yeah, it was, it's a great, great story. Um, um, yeah, it, it, I had so much fun and I would also say that it's also important when you do these research, which I've learned is to try to look from different dimensions, right? We did get the sales, why were ye yippee? But it's also important that that is not enough. So that's why we also clock them, ask questions, and look at different things happening because then you can get it more confirmed. So based on your experience, what are the easiest part contra the most complicated part with developing the right brand fit music for brands uh, well, uh, developing is uh, is pretty straightforward uh, when you have this model. But I would say that the most complicated part, or where you sometimes can miss uh, the target, is when uh, is like the actual target group, because usually the marketing department has a pretty clear picture of the brand and what it stands for. But then uh, in the end, it's the customers uh, of that brand that's going to listen to the music. And sometimes the, the, the people that own the brand has maybe one idea what type of customer they have. And sometimes or quite often my experience is that they have kind of a maybe more rosy picture of their ideal customers. And uh, a lot of times the customers aren't actually uh, as they describe them. Maybe they are not so i mean so so if if you get the wrong uh, picture of what the target group is then sometimes you can uh, select the wrong music because you select music that maybe they don't can relate to or understand or uh, so uh, i would say that that is the tr trickier part and and that was also proven when when i did like the pre studies before the big study in in the gan study that uh, the brand identity that the customer had and when you went out and asked those objectives with the customers you could see that the brand image as it's called then didn't really fit so it's very important to for brands to remember that the, the communication that they make out of the brand identity that they want to be perceived that they also need to go out and go, ask their target group does this fit and that is when i would say is you come the closest to finding the the perfect music but i have another uh, i'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here so when people create uh sound and music back then in, in in film and advertising then you have the visual in front of you and then it's easier to create the sound uh, based on what you see, but stores is a little bit more challenging because it's more than just the brand and brand values. And I've been sitting in, in stores and there's a couple of other um, elements and that is like what kind of task is the staff performing and how, what kind of products are they selling because there's a difference with products that is more like you can do impulsive purchase 
contra buying a very more expensive product that probably is like you need you can't you need time to go and do research and figure out because you can't get it wrong but also there's a flow going on in the store so you need to also want to know how do you want to use the music for the customers to move what is your take on on this uh yeah of course i mean yes uh, fitting the music to the brand that's only one aspect uh, but uh, yeah like i mentioned the, the whole business what the, the business prerequisites are is is an aspect that i mean that's not what we really uh, looked at in the GAN study, but it's also very important to have that in mind when you program these playlists. Uh, even though the, the, maybe the music fits the brand, there's still other elements that you need to take into account. Yeah. Like you said, what, what type of behaviors do we want to promote uh, among the customers? And, and not forget the employees because, uh, I mean, they are the ones who are actually going to stand there listening to the music day in and day out. And if they hate the music, uh, I mean, it's, it's not too far-fetched to assume that their, their performance will kind of be affected by that if they are irritated about the music all the time. So uh, that, that, that is, of course, another aspect that we need to take into account. It, but maybe that's not really uh, has some, so much to do with the actual brand fit uh, part, but uh, it's very important when you program music for businesses. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Soundtrack Your Brand is the first company in the world that on a big scale has scientifically proven the power of in-store music. So we went on and when we got hired, we continued doing research bigger than one that was Gantt and we, you can say we replicated it somehow and it showed similar results however there's still some challenges for brands and small stores when applying brand fit music um, so how come it's been neglected as a marketing tool and how is soundtrack your brand helping businesses with this challenge today uh well neglected because i mean it's 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 a uh, field so much uh uh where so much gut feeling really is, is what guides people. And as long as it's only gut feelings, it's very hard to prove uh, anything. Uh, and it's just, everything happens by chance. And it all comes down to uh, maybe a, a DJ's or a, a music curator's personal uh, perception of what is good, good music. And I mean, m many times, uh, I mean, the most most businesses they don't even have a strategy for the music or someone that helps them out. It's just uh, an employee that plugs in their uh, their telephone or uh, whatever to play their own playlists, uh, and uh, it might not have anything to do with with uh, the the brand or the store or the uh, the business type or the customers. It's just music they, they like and. And that's where we really uh, want to come in and help uh, businesses because, and like today, streaming is is the way to go, and every almost everybody uses streaming nowadays, and they're used to using uh, stre streaming apps like uh, Spotify or Pandora or Apple Music, uh, and therefore, if we can create an experience that's more adapted to the needs of businesses, uh, then of course we want to help help them out to play music that's good for the business and 
uh, it's not only helping them uh, finding music that fits the brand, it's the ability to schedule music, uh, create the weekly schedules where, uh, and have a, a, an app that where they easily can change music that uh, can reflect then the uh, number of customers that are in the store and because it's a, it's not a static environment, it changes uh, throughout the day and throughout the week and the music that maybe fits on a Monday morning necessarily it doesn't fit on a Friday evening so uh, yeah so, so we we constantly just try to evolve the, uh, our product to be able to uh, give them the users tools to play music that uh, can help their business and, and from your perspective what would you say why is our research studies so unique has become so unique as it has and why is it so important to continue measuring the impact of in-store music and especially for brands uh, to do it themselves because you guys are providing with an amazing tool but it's still the brand's responsibility as i see it to have somebody in their team that is learning all these perspectives, how to use your tool, have an understanding of the previous research, but also holistically figuring out what's happening in their stores themselves and to be able to play with it the same way they do with the visual side of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's been neglected, even though we have we and others have shown in studies that uh, it has an effect on, on like, real sales. I mean, if it's only 1% or 10% or even over 30% that was shown in the Gantt study, still there's, if, if you have a revenue of, of hundreds of millions of dollars, if you are a bigger brand with a chain uh, of, of stores or hotels or, uh, or restaurants, I mean, there's so much money to be made. And, uh, to be have have the music being treated like like uh, like water or electricity is is so uh, ignorant and it really doesn't uh, unlock the potential that there is in in background music and just like you say uh, every I mean of course uh, big enough uh, brand should ha have that someone being responsible and with that knowledge within their company but for all the others uh, we are there to help uh, also uh, to try to help even the, the one-man shows uh, with, with our product and it's very important to just keep on doing these studies uh, because uh, there's still uh, people are still uh, really uh, reluctant to take in even if we come with a study, it's just one study. We it's just keep adding, throwing ammunition at them to eventually maybe uh, open uh, their eyes to to the effects of, of background music. And what other instant music research hypotheses uh, are you still curious to discover and and conduct in the future? Oh, uh, I mean. Uh, uh, well, one area that has been uh, neglected uh, somewhat, I know that you uh, did a study on, on the employees, right? How, how they uh, perform uh, and how, how their performance is connected to background music. Uh, uh, but I mean, it's still uh, much to be uh, investigated there. Uh, the effects of, of the background music on, on, uh, on uh, staff 
usually the only time you hear about that uh, the media loves to talk about that every every christmas because then it's always uh, some uh, poor employee that's get interviewed about the uh, horror of hearing christmas music uh, from october to january and uh, they get sick and tired of it and almost want to quit so uh, definitely th th that's uh, an important area uh, that we want to research and also create tools. I mean, if uh, therefore, I think it's important to develop our product so that the users can also, we like the, an, an administrator or the responsible person can create a pool of music, but from within that pool, then maybe the employees should be able to then select music that they like. So they still can influence the music somewhat, but they cannot ruin the experience for their customers so mm. that is yeah, i think it's very interesting and another aspect is also like because music it's it's uh, a global language and brands also figure out differently like should culture wise how it affects because in different countries even if we do somehow perceive music similarly i think culturally wise it there's a difference it could be interesting and and regarding the the christmas music i would actually say artists get out more new christmas music <laughs> that we don't keep using the old ones or don't play like constantly the same you can mix it with new and old and and so on but you you've been a music supervisor for many uh, years now a role which has required a lot of manual work. So let us look into the future and talking about the automating the work of a music supervisor. As Soundtrack Your Brand, you've now for years with your team been manually tagging music and applying it to deep learning, helping in businesses to discover relevant music with the help of AI because there's like million songs to, to choose from. So walk us through your tagging process and how far you've reached today and how's your process different from other instrument music providers? Uh, well, the, the tagging pro uh, process is uh, mainly uh, our music team here at the Soundtrack Your Brand uh, listening to a song and then uh, give it, annotating various uh, uh, dimensions uh, of the song, everything from the uh, energy and tempo of the song to uh, genres and releasers, vocals, what, who's singing, is it a woman or a man, is it uh, what language are they singing in, uh, uh, what uh, type of uh, brand personalities, is it uh, communicating, uh, uh, so uh, I mean things like that we sit and for every song, we kind of write, uh, tag that song. Uh, and then, uh, as we have tagged uh, over 100,000 of songs, we have uh, giving, given all those songs and the data to, uh, to uh, algorithms who then can train uh, our machine learning team, uh, then can train these algorithms. So uh, eventually, uh, the, they will be able to look at the, a completely new song and then based on the learnings from how we have tagged all these hundred thousands of songs, it can listen to the song and then uh, tag it automatically uh, by uh, deep learning. So uh, currently uh, we have uh, 
we have come pretty far and uh, have, have been able to uh, to trim these uh, algorithms. So uh, they are. Uh, I mean, when we just when we first started it, it was I was a bit skeptical, like I always am, <laughs> how, how good it actually could get. But uh, I've been I mean blown away how how accurate uh, these algorithms has, actually can be. And so, so uh, yeah, it can, it can tell, I mean, the, the tempo, the, the energy in the song and what genre it is, and if it's, uh, if it's sung, if it's vocals in them, or, and even if it's elegant or a robust song, or if it's a modern or traditional song. Uh, so, uh, I mean, of course, it, uh, like you said, there's, uh, uh, big uh, challenges with uh, cultural differences and uh, so uh, but the first step is to really get it uh, tight this uh, model, model uh, in the western uh, realm of music I would say because uh, that was the most uh, the easiest way area where we could start and then but then to expand it to other uh, cultures as well and that's uh, I mean the, the next step I would say in my podcast uh, with our common friend, Thomas Liddy, he and I spoke about that humanizing AI and feedback loops. Um, because music is so subjective and the AI is as, as good as you train it, and once you train it, you still need to obtain it. So what are the challenges you've discovered with tagging music and how does Soundtrack Your Brand minimize this bias and errors? Uh, well, uh, of course, uh, Human, I mean, the, the I think it's always going to be hard to beat a human DJ. I mean, if we had a human playing music in a store uh, 24 7, it, I think it's going to be hard to beat that, uh, at least if it's a good DJ. There uh, are crappy DJs as well. But uh, so, uh, I mean, you always compare uh, the performance of uh, machine learning algorithms with a human. A good DJ, so it's it's a tough challenge. But uh, over time, as as you give feedback to, to what what mistakes they do, uh, it just keeps on improving and improving. And yeah, it's just like uh, Terminator. Uh, eventually, the machines are gonna take over the world when we <laughs> when we train them too much. Uh, but we're not there yet. Uh, I'm glad for that. And uh, of course, in the music. Music business, uh, I mean, there's always new trends coming and uh, new uh, genres developing. And so there's, and it's hard for a machine. I mean, if, if a model doesn't recognize what it sees, then it will not be able to perform well. So this always has to be, at least that's my opinion, that like a, a human or humans to kind of tell them, tell the machines what to do and uh, give them new inputs uh, as, as the env environment uh, evolves and changes. Uh, so, so that is, uh, would be a big part of our job, I think, going forward to uh, uh, look for new trends and uh, find new, uh, new concepts that uh, we should train new models on. Have you thought about then uh, trying to build something that uh, reads or there are some companies <clears throat> that are specifying in that I know that when we work in future polls that can like read on the internet of what's going on with the trends and that could help another one could be maybe do crowdsourcing 
having like a bunch of people that helps listening and, and giving back feedback. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, of course, those are uh, uh, maybe not uh, looking at trends. And I mean, there are the businesses that does that uh, mm. better than us, but uh, definitely, I mean, looking uh, just like Spotify, uh, very uh, have been very successful with to uh, crowdsourcing and and do uh, create so much uh, or co collect so much data from their users to uh, really find new trends and uh, stuff. And that's mm. or something that we uh, are looking into and working with as well. Interesting. And, and you guys has just launched a new product that you call Soundtrack Unlimited. What is more unique with this product compared to the other ones? And what are the benefits and challenges uh, you're helping uh, with this one? Uh, well, the, our previous uh, product, uh, the basic product that we call Essential, Soundtrack Essential, uh, has more of a, a leanback uh, radio type experience where uh, users can <clears throat> select uh, ready-made uh, stations and playlists. And also in, in, uh, in one way, they can also create their own stations by selecting uh, different tags, like different genres and so forth, but never, they can never engage on song level uh, due to how the licenses with the uh, record labels uh, look like. So, but there's, of course, there's almost everybody is used to, uh, to a consumer service uh, that, uh, comes in uh, to our product and like like YouTube or Spotify or uh, Apple Music, uh, so they are used to being able to select their whatever song they want to play whenever, uh, and uh, to be able to meet their demands uh, and their needs. We have also launched uh, then uh, another product that we call Soundtrack Unlimited, where which basically works just like all other consumer services where the users can, can uh, create their own playlists uh, uh, to play. Uh, but, and, and for those users, uh, it's made, our role comes in more to be able to then to uh, give them recommendations uh, based on what they want to play. So uh, as soon as they start engaging with the product and adding songs, we then can analyze the songs that they put in uh, and then based on, uh, our analysis, we then can re recommend songs that are both uh, vetted for business uh, use because, I mean, not all songs are that appropriate to play in a, in a store environment. So if you use Spotify, I mean, a lot of you get, probably get recommended a lot of explicit songs and like songs that maybe uh, doesn't sound well or has lousy production and so forth just because a lot of other users listen to that song. But uh, you maybe most likely you don't want to play that in your business. So uh, our our strength is that we then can recommend songs that are suitable for a business uh, environment. Mm. Uh, so so the business can take more control then uh, of of their music and also they're playing it legally now for the first time and and that means also that artists are getting getting fair paid for their music being played in stores, which is super important because going back to what you say with Napster and a lot of artists losing their, their income by that, but this is, an, uh, uh, this is bringing it back. Definitely, yeah, of course.
course, that's, I mean, me being an artist uh, from the beginning, it's, that's one of the reasons why I work at Soundtracker Brand, to be able to actually make sure that artists get fairly compensation for in their works. I mean, it's, it's a really, really important part of our business, even mm. though it's not what I do on a day-to-day -day basis. But it's really long term it is. You're, yeah, you're, you, you can't think about that now. You have to build something towards that. Now I want to know because, you know, you've been doing this for so many years. So what are your best practices on step for brands to strategically consider when creating their in-store music? Uh, okay, well, I mean, number one is always, to, I mean, to uh, really think through what the purpose is. Uh, what you want to achieve with the music because it's I mean all almost all businesses play music so it's just become something that uh, I need music because everybody else play music and uh, I mean uh, in one of our studies we show that uh, it was even better to play no music than playing wrong music so just playing music uh, that's not good enough because it actually can hurt yourselves just playing the wrong music instead of just having silence. So being first step is always to have a purpose with the music. What do you want to do? Do you want to uh, make people moving faster or make, make them moving slower? Do you want to enhance your brand image? Do you want to increase sales? Do you want people to stay longer or do you want them to feel relaxed or do you want them to, yeah, there's so many things you can do with music. So uh, think that through before you start putting together a playlist because once you know what you want to do, there are I mean, clear guides uh, to, that you can follow mm -hmm. to be able to uh, actually achieve what you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. uh, with your amazing background and deep knowledge, uh, working as a music supervisor, what advice would you give to people that are looking into a career as a music supervisor today? Uh, well, I mean, if, if, you're, if you know a lot about music and you're already putting together playlists, uh, it's, uh, it's not that big step uh, really, because uh, a lot of businesses, uh, they, they, they want help uh, doing this, uh, even though it's, it's gonna be tough to approach uh, larger chains, bigger brands, but uh, I mean, almost every business plays music and uh, I mean, that's the way we started, you know, approaching just a bar or a restaurant or a, hairdresser or whatever uh, and there's so to be able to gain experience is uh, really easy I would say uh, because the market is huge uh, uh, so uh, just start doing that uh, and then you can work on your resume and then I mean if you even you either you build your own business uh, having your own business uh, it's I mean there are many small companies out there that do this one or two man shows that uh, just help small businesses create playlists or I mean and then there of course are companies like Soundtrack Your Brand where we work with uh, bigger brands uh, as well as a product and smaller brands so uh, I mean there are many ways you can create or embark on a career as a music supervisor it's, and I would say the threshold to do it is very low. And, and from my side would be that uh, 
I hope that brands themselves start seeing this as a potential role in their own teams uh, so they can continue working it in-house. So it's not always the marketing person doing it, but actually a, a profession that can take this holistic uh, role. And now with the new now and the whole pandemic, what do you believe is the future of shopping and in-store music branding? And especially how can music help stores during the, this period of time? Uh, well, I, I think that the pandem pandemic has uh, only accelerated the whole uh, development uh, towards more e-commerce and uh, shopping online. Uh, and we know that a lot of businesses are hurting and closing down, in, especially in in the retail uh, so uh, and then i think that the uh, whole uh, experience uh, or physical experience in retail is perhaps uh, gonna move even more towards creating uh, an experience or a place where you can uh, really uh, communicate your brand and uh, have these more flagship type of experience uh, where you really create an experience for your customers to uh, explore the brand uh, and then of course the music is is a vital part of that experience so so i think that uh is still is, background music is is going to be just as important uh, as it is today even though maybe a lot of business is moving to the internet uh, uh and uh, i mean and this is and during the pandemic and of course, there's stuff you can do. Uh, also, as, you, as we gone through here, we can, uh, you know, you can control the behaviors of your customers. So you can uh, influence. If, if you don't want to have big lines, you can have certain music that kind of increases the uh, throughput of uh, customers and uh, uh, small tips like that. Uh, and also, I mean, music is a great comfort uh, in difficult times. And, and we have also experienced that uh, among our users that uh, more uh, old, uh, old songs, uh, traditional feel-good music is being uh, used more now than it was before. And to be able to play music for your customers that create some kind of comfort is also something that you can do uh, during these times. Thank you very much, Magnus. It's been a pleasure having you. And it's just amazing because it's the first time that we got the chance to actually have a conversation around the work that we have done together. And I look forward to what the future can bring. Thank you. Thank you, Jasmine. It was a pleasure. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Power of Audio, Science and AI. I'm Jasmine Marotti, your host, and thank you very much for listening. If you like this podcast and want to follow my journey towards discovering the secrets behind the power of audio, science and AI, where I will give you the knowledge and the insight your business needs to succeed with your audio branding, then make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing on my website, jasmineroy.com, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes and Google Play. I'm working towards increasing the value of music so that artists receive their fair share of the economic value they create in our society. So make sure to spread the word to fellow brand leaders and business network through your social media. This episode is supported by Stockholm Music City and music by Skirk.